Kia team and welcome to the Beyond the Surface podcast. My name's Noel Woolof and on today's episode, I'm joined by Roscoe Price-Moore. If you're a big fan of entrepreneurship and business, you'll love this episode with Roscoe who shares his story around creating his company called Rody, which is New Zealand's leading travel content and media platform and the place where travellers go for inspiration on planning their New Zealand road trip. If you haven't already, I highly recommend you go check out the Roadie app on the App Store and give it a download. This isn't a sponsored post, but there's genuinely so much value in here. Uh, there's also a link in the description below. As always, I really appreciate all of the support of the podcast and you taking your time in your day to listen to one of the episodes. As always, if you are enjoying the content that we're pushing out through these interviews, the best thing that you can do to support the podcast is to tell a friend, click the follow button on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts and rate the podcast five stars. Goes a massive way in the algorithm and getting more ears listening to this content. Thank you and welcome to episode number 23. Kia ora, I'm, I'm Roscoe. I'm the founder of Rody. We make it easy for travellers to access local knowledge and plan epic trips around New Zealand. Uh, we launched an app about a year ago now. Well, a year ago, three weeks-ish to the day. Um, Happy anniversary. <laughs> cheers, yeah. No, it's, um, it's gone pretty quickly. And I guess, yeah, one of the things we're probably most proud of of that is um, that we've facilitated in over 75,000 adventures, uh, getting people out and about around NZ. That's absolutely incredible, man. And prior to having you on the podcast, I downloaded the app and like the amount of opportunities there are in New Zealand is just absolutely incredible. So, so keen to sort of unpack how the, really just how the app came to to fruition, but really keen first to start on your journey. And, um, you know, were you always quite entrepreneurial? Were you always that kid like selling stuff growing up, sort of Gary V styles? Or (laughs) what's your road into entrepreneurship? Yeah, um, I guess there, there were some signs of it early on with with my old man. So he he's got a, a small car business and you know buys and sells cars. He came from like a car yard background and then basically started his own business. And that was kind of my first first job, I guess, sort of working from him and learning the the basics of you know everything that you need to do in a small business. So mm. it was photography, taking photos of cars, selling mm. the cars, doing the paperwork, actually doing the sales. Um, and yeah, that sort of led me down the path of, um, I guess, buying and selling a few of my own when I was going through uni to sort of help pay my way through uni and, and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that, that was a, a little sort of taste to it. Uh, but then my first, I guess, career was actually as a PE teacher. So I was teaching PE and outdoor ed at secondary school um, before before starting Rodeo. Wow. I actually heard one of your previous guests, um, Paul from Moana Road. And yes. I was like, man, there's a few similarities here. I think he was uh, doing some car things yeah, too. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, he te- was. Teaching as well. Yep. So I was like, oh, yeah, pretty interesting. That's so funny. Yeah, Paul, founder of Moana Road, he was an economic teacher, I think, at like Wellington High School. So yeah. That's <laughs> super cool. And um, how long were you working as a PE teacher and what school were you working at? Uh I was working probably about a year and a half, started in like a fixed term gig and then um, dropped into relief. I was, I was at Hutt Valley High, which is actually the school that I went to myself. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, teaching was a great profession to, I guess, go down the entrepreneurial path because I was just able to do four days relief, three days relief, two days, and then sort yeah. of get out of there and sort of, I guess, scale up and down based on... Um, what, what was required and how much money I had coming in from Rody and that's that really cool. Mm. That's awesome, man. And um, so you started the idea with Rody while you're still a P 
PE teacher. Is that right? Or I did read something where you were doing um, almost like private tours around Tongariro. Um, Is that kind of where the idea sort of came to fruition? Um, So I got back from the UK and, you know, like a lot of Kiwis, I sort of travelled all across Europe, but barely even seen the South Island. So I kind of came back here and wanted to do a bit more travel myself around NZ. And when it came to the whole planning phase, I just realised how difficult it was to to access the information I was after. You know, you're searching on Google, you're doing all the classics, you're scrolling Instagram, but you get the pretty pictures but not the supporting information. And I noticed it was a really sort of fragmented um, way of organising travel. Um, so I basically set off, I was travelling around the South Island and, um, yeah, I, I just started documenting my travels online. Like I made this account called Roadie and started posting up photos and videos from what I was up to. And I think the thing that at the time I was doing a little bit differently was giving people really detailed information on how to get to the swimming hole or how to mm. go to this waterfall and at the time Instagram was like a very look at me platform and you know it would just be a cool photo with nothing to sort of really support or help other people get there so I think that's why the, those accounts seem to get a bit of traction early and then that, that kind of got me thinking okay I've got something here people are liking what we're putting out how can I monetize this and our first product as you mentioned was um was tours so it was like self-drive tours so mm. you'd arrive in Auckland I'd have a car waiting for you uh, or your accommodation booked and you'd have a ready-to-go itinerary a, a road trip on a plate basically, basically just ready to rumble that's awesome um, so that was ticking along ticking along nicely um, leading into into COVID and COVID put a pretty big into that because oh, 90% of our business 95% was international um, so that was a real back to the drawing board for me mm. and yeah, it was, it was a great chance to kind of reflect on what we were doing and while it was going well and I was getting some good numbers through, the process of putting together these tours was so manual. Like mm. it was me uh, behind the scenes making these bookings and, and uh, you know, they'd tell me they like golf so I'd book them in at all the best golf courses or whatever. It was, it was very customised. Mm. So it got me thinking, you know, how can I scale this up and I guess create something that takes that sort of manpower out and mm. that's what led me down the path of the idea of the app. It's like, well got all these great recommendations, all these places, let's put them on an app and let the traveller um, use that app as a tool to plan for themselves. That's amazing. That's awesome. It's such a cool opportunity, which has come from COVID, obviously running basically like a tourism business, right? And then having the brakes put on, that would have been fucking scary. Yeah. Um, and when you're putting on these these tours around New Zealand, are you just like basically setting where they're going to, to go and basing that itinerary? Or are you going, you're not going with them as like a tour guide, are you? So we're talking about the tours, not the... Not yeah, that, yeah, the tours. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, I, was, I wasn't going with them. Um, yeah, they were predominantly... Well, sorry, they were all self-drive, so they'll all turn up. But I, what you're referring to, the Tongariro, was another sort of COVID project before the app, actually. So pretty much before uh, the app, I was trialling a bunch of things. And one of the things I, I was trialling was, was these group tours. So I took a group of, it must have been about 25-ish, to do the Tongariro crossing in winter. And we took another group out to, like, Castle Point, And I was trialling these, like, weekend tours. And they were awesome. Like, they were such good fun. I sold out all of them. But it just made me realise pretty quickly, same issue, the whole scalable thing. And the demographic I was targeting was, like, 20 to 35 that don't quite have the same, you know, income maybe. Mm. Um, so I just realised that, the amount of tours I'd have to run to be profitable and the operations required um, was going to be really, really difficult. Mm. Yeah. And how did you come up with the balls to basically leave having a steady income as a PE teacher and then transfer and be like, hey, I want to give this business stuff a shot? Um, to be honest, I think I never really thought that teaching was going to be the profession. Mm. I, I did like a three-year sport and exercise degree. Um, 
didn't want to leave uni, loved my sport. I'll, I knew I was going to go over to England and play a bit of cricket. I was like, great teaching. Um, you know, I might be able to do some teaching over there. Mm. I think I ended up teaching two days the whole time I was in the UK. True. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, so then I came back and I, I was teaching and nothing against teaching. I, I loved it and I loved teaching outdoor ed, but I think I always knew I wanted to start something for myself. Um, and then, yeah, as I was saying, like it was a great profession to be able to drop down. So I wasn't like, I'm going to go all in and just leave my income. Mm. I, I, I kind of only made that jump once I knew I, I was pretty safe, pretty yeah. covered. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And where do you, like, if someone's got an idea, right, where do you start to turning an idea into an app and let alone turning that into a functional business model? Like, what are the steps to actually building an app in New Zealand? Yeah, that the app thing's... Um, <laughs> was I guess because like, I had the idea for the app for ages but mm. I just never really backed myself because I've got no technical background or development background um, so that the idea for the app funnily enough came from Pokemon Go I, I, ah. I, I noticed a bunch of people getting addicted going around New Zealand and I almost, almost forgot Pokemon. about that eh? that was <laughs> such a crazy app people were just like you, you, you'd kind of see them like they were scanning for gold just like looking around and you'd be like what are you doing you're like I've got to find like Pokemons yeah I, I was like well this is actually getting people out of the house like yeah. people are going like out of the house to go to these places and I was like well imagine if instead of you know capturing these Pokemon um, we can encourage people to go and tick off these bucket list mm. travel experiences around around NZ so that's kind of was the idea but yeah as I say it was just an idea because I didn't have that ability to sort of or think I could take it to the next level um I I guess I I found Creative HQ so they're uh, a crew in, in Wellington that basically make it they help founders turn their ideas into real-world mm -hmm. solutions. And, yeah, nothing but positive things to say about them. So when COVID hit, I found them, and I pretty much spent four months just lying on beanbags trying to think of my next my next move. Um, and then there was a tourism accelerator, which is a four-month really focused thing, and they were accepting six companies that wanted to make tourism better in NZ. And I think on the last day, I was just like, I'm just going to go for it. And I, I pitched the idea of, of the app. Um, at that stage, it was just myself and the company. I'd bought out a couple of other people that were involved and just went all in on this, on this idea. Awesome. Um, managed to get in and then basically spent the next four months sort of just honing in on this idea. I was validating it with people. I, I was mock, doing mock-ups and running tests with people. And I got to the end of the four months and I had pretty much a prototype um, ready, to, ready to rumble and ready for someone to, to develop it. Um, and then off the back of that, I pitched and raised a little bit of investment um, through Angel HQ, who are an investment club in Wellington, and was able to essentially fund the initial build of the, the MVP. That's awesome, bro. That's huge. What's it like when you're pitching to investors for like startup capital to launch your idea did you have yeah what's the sort of process is it really like what you see on dragon's den where you're like <laughs> just absolutely going for it and they can be quite ruthless like what what were you presenting them yeah it, it is in some ways and I, like i know so much more now than i did two years ago when mm. i when i first pitched because that was just a completely new world for me at the time um but yeah i mean to paint the picture like the, off the back of the accelerator i was probably pitching to 50 odd uh, people in a room and you do like a, a 10 minute pitch followed by, by five minutes of uh, Q&As and they're you know grilling you on um, getting grilled <laughs> yeah. question time but, bits of pieces and at, at that stage it was um, you know I was pitching an idea like I didn't have any traction I, the only traction I had was I had this you know 
engaged audience. So I had some credibility there and, um, and I had this idea that how I was going to execute it. But other than that, um, yeah, that was, I guess, trying to back me. So I was learning about what, the, I guess, what investors want to hear and not, not lying to them or not saying anything that wasn't true, but mm. it, it's a different way of, of talking. You've got to think what they're seeing value in <laughs> versus what mm. I might be seeing value in is a little bit different. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and then, I mean, I've raised a little bit of capital since then. I certainly know a lot more now, but um, raising capital at the moment is seems to be 10 times more difficult Mm. now when I've got a lot more traction than it was back then, but that's just sort of where the climate's at at the moment. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's the current New Zealand like economic position and things are sort of entering a bit of a downturn at the moment? Yeah, I think people are just a little bit more cautious with with their money and I'm seeing that across the board with like other startups that I've good mates with and stuff and really struggling to raise. Mm. Um, So yeah, it's it's challenging, but it's I guess it's... um, it's made me just want to try and get to profitable as, as soon as possible and not relying on, on investment capital. Mm. What would be your like top two biggest pieces of advice for people listening who might have a business at the moment and um, at that position where they're starting to raise some capital, looking into investors, what would your two your your top two pieces of, pieces of advice be for them? I think you have to have a really clear reason why you're, want, you're wanting to raise. I think there's this big thing with startups that it's just like, oh, you know, I'm going to raise, I'm going to scale quickly, we're going to grow. Um, but you have to really have a, a, a clear reason and, and what you're going to, what that money's going to do and help you achieve. Because um, there is such a big thing and I think it's almost a bit dangerous with startups and this whole like Silicon Valley <laughs> yeah. um, vibe where it's just like, you know, scale quickly, hire heaps of people, yeah. become the next unicorn where actually I think it's like, let's just get to break even and, and, and be profitable and, and, and focus on that and build a sustainable business first and then take the capital to take you to the, mm. to the next level. Um, but then, yeah, I guess the other, the other piece of advice would probably be just to, um, I guess, yeah, you've got to be careful who you're taking money from and and you're just as much interviewing them as they're, they're interviewing you mm. in a way. like they, they want to find out everything about the business, but you don't want money with baggage. Um, so I guess it's about trying to bring on investors that can actually add value to the company. Like a lot mm. of my investors, are, I've got a couple that are on the board now and like mentors and stuff, and they're, they're actually adding value, not just capital to the company. So I think to me, that's really important. Yeah, that's huge, man. Yeah, I guess you don't want to sign up and, you know, you've got heaps of hoops you have to potentially jump through or um, responsibilities that you, you know, owe to different shareholders, which might sort of take you away from the mission and what you're trying to achieve. For sure, yeah. And it, it does like take more time, like, you know, investor reports that go out quarterly and communicating with investors. So you need to make sure that you've got the, got the right people that are going to mm. help help grow you, not just with the funds that they're putting in behind it. Yeah, that's massive, man. And um, where Roadie is now, like, how are you guys currently positioned? How big is the team? Um, and what are you guys focusing on? Yeah, so we, we've got um, six on our team, five full-timers, one contractor, and then a couple on the board. Uh, so we're predominantly based in Wellington, got an office in, in Wellington, and then we've got one remote in Kaikoura. Um, at the moment, we are focused on, I guess, changing slightly the, the revenue model for the app. Um, we're looking at integrating bookings. So at the moment, the app's an inspiration tool that you're finding all these cool things, mm. you're making bucket lists and you're ticking them off. Um, we want to take it to the next level and basically enable bookings where you can book in that bungee jump or book in that whitewater rafting tour uh, nice. inside the app. 
Um, nice. So we're working on that at the moment. We're trying to find like the best sort of partner to partner with to enable those bookings. So there's a number of different um, solutions where you can get a range of um, experiences that you can like integrate with the API or um, white label. So we're working out who the best one is for us there. And then I guess the, the next focus is on Australia. So we want to get across the ditch and um, we're hoping to launch into Australia next year. Epic, bro. That's huge. That is absolutely massive. So it's basically turning into like a one-stop shop for all of your sort of travel needs when it comes to first visiting New Zealand. Or uh, what, what I really like about it too is the sort of domestic focus as well because I feel like so many Kiwis, we're so fast to jump over and do like an OE over to Europe. I've got like basically every man and their dog is over in Europe for like Euro summer at the moment. And then you look at all these people and you're like, shit, how many of you guys have actually explored our backyard first? Because there is so much, um, so much to see and so much to do, eh? For sure, yeah. And I think, you know, that's a big thing we're trying to promote. It's that, you know, a lot of people do the same holiday every year or, mm. you know, go to Queenstown. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the standard. Once, once a year or whatever, nothing against Queenstown. But, um, yeah, we're trying to encourage people to consider places that they wouldn't have previously considered and, you know, get out there and I guess disperse the travellers as well. Like, you know, a lot of places in NZ have been impacted heavily by COVID and mm. need, need some love. Um, a lot of places are getting overrun because they've got too many tourism, uh, too much tourism. So we're really just trying to encourage people to explore far mm. and wide and um, get out, out and about, you know, getting out outdoors, as, as, as we know, is good for the soul. And um, Totally. <laughs> yeah. You must have so, so many, like, hidden gem <laughs> places which are kind of undiscovered that are sitting on the roadie app. So for people listening, where are some of, like, the best hidden gems for, like, a roadie experience in NZ? <laughs> oh, so difficult. But, I mean, a couple of my, my top spots uh, and recommendations would be Mount Stokes in Marlborough. So I'd, I'd compare it to a Roy's Peak. Uh, everyone uh, knows of Roy's Peak, but not a lot of people know Mount Stokes. And I'm going to throw it out there that it's a, it's a better hike, um, more interesting hike. Uh, Mount Stokes. I actually, that rings a bell, eh? I might have, because I did Outward Bound back when I was like 17, 18. I think I might have done it during Outward Bound. Oh, yeah, yeah. Highest, a, highest point in the Marlborough Sounds. I'm so you're pretty down sure that's the, the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to double check to confirm, but that name definitely rings a bell, eh? Yeah, no, it's awesome. We had a, such a cool mission up there. We um, wanted to get up for sunrise, so we, we left it at 4 a.m. and it was after um, Marlborough had been smashed by the storms, so we are kind of bush bashing a little bit. The track wasn't very well defined, mm. but we, we just trying to scope out the little orange markers and, yeah, eventually popped out about 6 a.m. up the top and just got this epic, epic sunrise. Yeah. And, um, yeah, some of the, my favourite sort of shots we've, we've got with Rody and, you know, Marlborough, the tourism board use it all over their, their content and we can see why. That's awesome, <laughs> yeah. man. So you've got Mount Stokes, where else? With some other hidden gems? Um, ooh. Um, there is... Lake Marion, maybe not so hidden, but um, one of my favourite spots. It's on the on the road to Milford. If you're leaving from Tiano to Milford, um, sort of a four hour hike through through the bush, and you just pop out at this alpine lake. Um, I, again, I think it's like it also depends on your experience. Like we had this awesome sunrise mission up Mount Stokes. The day we did Lake Marion, we didn't see a soul. It was during during COVID. True. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Um, there's the the blue pools or the champagne pools that are out near. Um, where they are out sort of near near Tūrangi mm. way that uh, not a lot of people uh, necessarily know about. And we seem to get a little bit of backlash when we put up stuff about that one. It's one of the local spots that... Uh, oh, really? <laughs> the locals, like, don't don't promote it. Don't yeah, get it out there. we get a little bit of that. Not not often. There's It's funny, there's like a couple of spots that always just get, get the heat. True. <laughs> yeah, the genuine local spots. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, 
And how, how do you go about actually finding these places and putting them on the app? Is it, you know, scathing or like really scouting through Google and finding places or um, like, have you been to every single one of the places <laughs> on the roadie, roadie map? Because you'd be well-traveled if, if you have. Yeah, no, I certainly haven't. But um, I, I guess a lot of it comes from the, the other side to the business, which has been super strong for us. Um, pretty much took off as well during COVID. So the self-drive stuff stopped. And because of the, I guess, the audience that we had and the work we were doing in the social media space, we started getting approached by a lot of the tourism boards to go to different regions and essentially shoot destination content for them. So we're shooting photo, video content. um, And our package always involves like us delivering that content to the tourism board that they're using to promote their region and then distributing it out through our channels so they can sort of reach our, you know, 20 to 35 travel audience mm. um, so we're doing a lot of these campaigns and we still are um, working with the tourism board so they're they want to put on the very best places and all of their sites for us to shoot and what it enables us to do is it enables us to get photos and videos from all these sites for the app um, but also you know grow, grow our socials and grow our following and that that media space has really been huge for us because it's kind of like a top of funnel. It's where we get get the travellers keen and then we try and drive them down the funnel to download mm. the app and um, where they can have a little bit more functionality to plan their trips. Mm, that's awesome, bro. That's huge. Um, and when it comes to starting and scaling a business, now you've got you know six employees sitting under you. Um, what has that learning process been like for you not having sort of technical experience and building an app now having to manage a team taking up positions of leadership you know you're accountable to make sure that um, you've got revenue in the door so you're paying your staff what has that whole learning process been like for you bro yeah yeah I mean hit the nail on the head there with that like the management side because that's been probably the biggest learning it's like when you're a one or two man band you go from doing everything yeah. to now where I'm you know over 50% of my role is managing people yeah. um, which I love I think it just comes down to hiring the right people and putting the right people in the right seats with six people you know everyone's essentially the head of their department whether mm-hmm. that's content whether that's development whether that's finance so you've got to find the right people that you can trust and you know you do put that accountability on them and I think a big thing for me that I've learned is that you need to have all your staff essentially thinking like a business owner mm-hmm. they all need to be thinking and understanding the business right to the core so I'm very much a believer that you know, it's not me at the top making decisions. It's we're all making decisions together and everyone needs to understand why we're making decisions and why their cog is so important to the whole overall company. Mm, mm, that's a really, really good way to put it. I asked this question as well to um, Israel Whitley, who is the founder um, and director of Aotearoa Labour Hire, ALH. So that's like a labour hire company. Absolutely smashing it. They've got like, you know, different sites all across New Zealand. Like they are just in a crazy position of growth. But when I asked him if he put too much pressure on himself, he said that pressure is a privilege. So just wanted to get what your take is on that, Um, especially as well, you know, being a young guy um, in this sort of business space, um, no doubt you put pressure on you, but yeah, really keen to hear what your take is on the pressure that you put on yourself and how you manage it. Yeah, yeah, I, I've certainly got better in recent years around around that pressure. Like, I, I think I felt it more so, like, in my 20s. Um, but, I, I, like, for me, I hate letting people down. So my, my biggest pressure that I put on myself is always, I guess, if, you know, cash flow is running a bit low. Um, and as I was saying before, there's this whole thing with startups to grow quickly. So mm. I'm, I'm always, like, well, I have been, you know, taking on investment, hiring people, trying to, trying to scale quickly, which obviously 
at times can mean your cash flow is pretty tight, that's probably when I feel the most pressure. Not that I've ever not been able to pay staff or anything like that, but that would be my worst nightmare, would mm. be um, falling into a situation like that. So I guess it's, um, yeah, just, just having good systems in place um, and... I guess, yeah, you're forecasting, your cash flow forecasting, making sure you've got enough leads and yeah, <laughs> enough, totally. enough work coming in the door. Hard out. Um, do you, with the business model at the moment, how do you show like the return on investment for people using the app? Potentially, you know, like, yes, you've got the, the user base, um, but how do you show like the ROI and stuff to partners? Mm. Um, how does the business model sort of work in that regard? Yeah, yeah. So the the model for the app at the moment is basically free for the traveller. But if you're a tourism operator, so let's say you're bungee or skydiving or whitewater rafting, you're paying an annual subscription to to list on the platform. So it's basically an advertising fee that you're paying to get in front of our audience. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we show ROI is we've built a portal. So these operators can log on any time and see their live analytics so they can see how many people have added it to a bucket list, how many people have ticked it off by going there and uploading a photo, impressions, oh, nice. all that side of things. So I guess, yeah, <laughs> the truth's in the numbers, um, you know, and, and yeah, we're, we're, we're fortunate that we've driven some really good numbers for a lot of operators. Like we've got, you know, a couple on there that have had sort of 300 people go through them and for a small investment like it's only 640 bucks to list for the year mm. and if we're sending that kind of amount of numbers through um they're making that back pretty quickly yeah 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 that's a that's a no-brainer eh? yeah because I, I was i was wondering that within the app because it is free for the for the traveler but yeah seeing how how would you track that journey of somebody going to do bungee jumping and going through the app but is it mainly so it's mainly up to the traveler to list that um they have ticked it off their sort of bucket list yeah so so at the moment yeah we're encouraging people to, to tick off by uploading a photo so you if you go and do an experience you take a photo you tick it off and then on the app that will be stored as a pin on your profile which is a map in new zealand um so obviously yeah we, we'd miss some we'd miss some people with this model that have gone there that just haven't been bothered mm. to, to upload a photo or whatever. Um, but we have seen a good response, like I said, with, you know, sort of over 75,000 in a year. Um, but then once we do integrate the bookings, then obviously we'll be able to yeah. work out the exact... Um, That'd be cool, eh? Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, within owning a business as well, how do you identify your blind spots? Because I'm sure that there would have been stages throughout the journey where you're like, you're like, shit, okay, maybe I need to get better at like finance, like do, doing the accounts or people management skills. How do you identify what those blind spots are? Yeah, good question. Um, hmm. I mean, when it comes back to hiring, like I think it's like when you start off with one or two, you, you work out what you like doing and what you don't like doing and you know, generally what you like doing is what you're good at doing <laughs> and, totally. what you, and what you don't want to do is what um, you're, you're typically bad at. So f- for me, it's been about like hiring people that can fill those gaps that could do a 10 times better job than, than what mm. I could do. Um, I'm very like ideas, creative, um, love partnerships, love dealing with people. Um, I, I don't love spreadsheets and forecasting <laughs> and invoicing and operational stuff. So for me, getting someone in that, can take care of that mm. um, has been huge for me because it's sort of taken all the stuff I hate doing and allowed me to focus on the stuff I love doing, which makes yeah. me ten times happier. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. That's good, bro. And what is your what does your standard week look like, bro? Like, have you got like a morning routine? What's like the the Monday to Friday? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in the in the morning routine. So the alarm goes off at, at five thirty. Um, I I always start with the gym. Gym, so I'll gym Monday to Thursday and rest on a Friday. Nice. Um, and then I'll I'll get back 
from the gym. Um, sometimes I'll sauna, so I, I'm big. I, I love like sauna, cold water immersion, that sort of thing. Yeah, you but you kind of got me as a bit of like an ice, ice bath sort of dude. <laughs> eh? <laughs> I actually had a swim this morning at um at a room and it was it was pretty chilly. Be freezing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I love that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a big yeah win the morning, win the day kind of guy. Um, go into the office in the city, so I work work in there four times a week and work from home one day a week. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, get get around the team as much as possible. My work from home day is definitely the day that it's like me time. Uh, it's where I smash out all the sort of get into my deep work and mm. um, the other days are more collaborative with the team. Um, and then I guess there's a mix with the travel as well. So typically in a month, I'd go on one of our trips. So I might be out on the road for like seven days. Um, but typically we'd have two or three trips running. So the other t- members of the team would be out shooting. Like it wouldn't be unusual for us to have two pods of two crew going out on the road shooting yep. at one time. Yeah, epic, man. And when it comes to the marketing, you mentioned like the tourism boards, but there's so much rich, awesome content eh, that you can get through through travel content, really. Um, have you guys got like anything that works really well when it comes to your marketing where maybe you've had to think a bit outside the box? Yeah. Um, I mean, short form video has just been huge for us. Mm. Like, you know, Instagram was at a phase a couple of years back where it was very hard to grow organically. We're, you know, steadily growing with the photos and stuff, but we had these massive banks of, of video because we were doing, shooting like promo videos for the tourism boards and stuff. So as soon as that hit, and I think it was like, during COVID where like TikTok kind of came into TikTok's <laughs> fucking crazy eh? it's like social media yeah. crack it just blows up though with the algorithm it's nuts yeah absolutely and I just started experimenting with, with TikTok and just like you know just putting together these 15 second clips that were getting like 500,000 views and I was like Insane. okay there's something crazy here I've got, you know we've got, I've got to go all in on this and we did and we did with both Instagram and TikTok and that's really skyrocketed our, wow. our growth like for the last, I think, eight months, we've hit over a million, we've reached over a million unique accounts on, on our Instagram and TikTok pages, which is just wild. That is insane, <laughs> yeah. man. That is insane. Yeah, there's there's something in the source with uh, with TikTok, eh? It's like the algorithm just spreads like wildfire. Absolutely, yeah. Like, I look at TikTok as it's like this, like, top of funnel reach machine, but Instagram is certainly more like where we've got that tighter knit mm. community or people that have been following the brand for a longer time, Um but yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting that that dynamic and um, yeah, like I think back to your thing on on like social. It's one thing that's worked for us is just bringing that that personal sort of human element. Like for us, it's never about look at us up this mountain. It's like you know, here's a couple of people that are enjoying their time up a mountain, and here's the information that you need so that you can go and do it. So it's it's about that shift. About it's not about us. It's about it's actually about the viewer. So mm. giving the viewer as much value as possible is, and and making savable content is, mm. is huge. Mm, I love that, bro. What's been the biggest challenge that you've been faced with running and setting up Roadie so far? Um, biggest challenge. I mean, it, it is fairly challenging. I guess not having that that technical background, like in the early days, because you've just got no benchmark to go off when you're, mm. um, you know. I can't put my head in the code and <laughs> have a look at what's under the hood and, yeah, true. and be able to contribute to that. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, getting the right people again, getting getting mm. a developer that you can trust. But, um, yeah, I guess that's been one challenge. Um, the, the capital raising thing has been a challenge. Like it's, I feel like, and you talk to any founder that's raising capital, it's, it's an ongoing thing and you feel like you're constantly pitching. Um, so I, I guess that's, that's one thing I've learned. Like we did a round called a convertible note where it's kind of a bridging round in between 
two equity rounds where you're asking your investors to essentially give you a bit of a, a loan and you're paying them interest on it until the next round. Um, potentially wouldn't do that again. Like I, I feel like it, um, it was kind of when you do a capital raise, you, you want to create a bit of urgency around mm. jumping in. And it was like, we had this loan open sort of jump in when you want. And it just, yeah, it just dragged a little bit. So mm. there's a few, few things I do differently with the capital raising. Mm, true. Mm. And are you constantly like, you mentioned you're going into sort of like equity rounds. So is that something that you'll continue doing throughout the sort of roadie life cycle is continuing to get more investors on board? Yeah. Yeah. Potentially like, um, I mean, if we keep keep growing, certainly, like you, it could be a case of doing like four or five rounds um, up until you know over over a ten year period, for example. Um, but my big priority at the moment is to just you know just get to get to profitable, get to that that break even point, um, and become more self sufficient mm. um, rather than just keep keep taking on capital just because of the climate of investment as well, and it is yeah. more tricky to raise than it was. Three or four years ago. Yeah, totally. Um, and what's the what's the end goal with Rhoda? You, you mentioned you you guys will be expanding over to Australia, so it'll be to set up like a similar model to what's in place in New Zealand. Um, if you look ten years down the track, you know what is Rhodey doing and what does it look like? Yeah, I mean, uh, ten years down the track, I'd love to see Rhodey be the number one travel app. When you think of uh, planning or finding things to do, um, we're basically trying to fill that gap of like you've got TripAdvisor at the moment that's probably a slightly older demographic using that, and we're trying to be the kind of millennial Gen Z uh, TripAdvisor that, um, that's more more visual, more inspirational. Um, so I'd love for Rody to be in um, a range of countries all over the world and be the the one that you go into your pocket when you're in a new country and you're going, what can I do today? It's mm, awesome, bro. It's so it's so sick, eh? And not, like seriously, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't got Rody on your phone. Download it right now because it will. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. It's like there's so so much cool shit to do in our country, but finding all of those cool opportunities and exactly where to go and where to drive and how to get there—that's what has been missing. And it's all been done through um, basically like Chinese whispers prior to something like like Roadie. You know, you 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 hear from a mate like, "Oh, there's a real cool waterhole. Um, you got to drive this back road." But to actually have it all in one spot where you can access is just an absolute game changer, man. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, when when I had the idea. We spent so much time on validation and just talking to people about how they currently go about planning travel. And the same answers popped up so many times. It was like a bit mm. of Googling, a bit of social media. Um, and then how do you make the itinerary? Well, I open a, make a Google Doc or a Google Sheet and start putting things in and then use Google Maps to kind of try and find these places. And it's, yeah, like I was saying, it's so fragmented. So our goal is to kind of bring that all, to, all together and just make it super easy on an app. Totally. And do you think there's room for like expansion outside of like Australia, if you could hit like Europe or something? Um, is there similar offerings out there or um, there doesn't seem to be anything like directly like Rody there's other other apps around um, but certainly that's the, that's the plan is to get over to Europe we've had, to, had some interest um, from people wanting to that have come over and used the app in New Zealand that have like loved their experience and we've had requests of um, you know would you be open to like franchising it and like there's one guy from Ireland one one guy from Sri Lanka um, one guy from from Canada that, that had similar sort of ideas um, so yeah I mean franchising is not necessarily in the in the pipeline but um, yeah. expanding to some, to some of those countries is yeah yeah you're so you're so true I got I got a mate that I work with um, called Joe and he's going over to Eastern Europe shortly for like a honeymoon with his um, with his wife now and 
yeah, and like he was showing me. I was like, oh, cool, man. Where are you going? Like, what have you got planned for the trip? And you're right. He opened up like the Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> and it's like all of these countries. It's got, he's got like, he's, he's done some pretty amazing planning for it. But yeah, it would be so much easier if it was all just through an app. Eh? Exactly. Yeah. And that's why we want to bring the bookings in and just make it all on, all on one, one page. 100%. Um, when things get stressful or you're under, you know, we talked about pressure earlier, but I'm real keen to unpack how do you get past stressful moments? Have you got things or people to speak to or, um, you know, what do you do personally when, when the going gets really tough? Uh, I think the first thing is to sort yourself out. You know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So I get into the toolkit, which for me looks like, Exercise, making sure I'm exercising, mm. making sure I'm eating well. Um, I'll, yeah, like I say, I love my saunas and, and cold water immersion, getting my mornings right. Um, what else do I enjoy? Um, I've recently actually started dabbling in, in meditation, which is cool, some, something completely different for me. Um, yoga, do yoga every Wednesday morning. So I try and prioritize that sort of stuff to keep, mm. keep the head clear. Um, that those would be like the main things that I, I do as well as yeah speaking to people um, fortunate now that I've got a bunch of like really great mentors that I can kind of go to for for anything and you know different people for different sort of areas which is great mm. um, so uh, yeah I definitely sort of tap and in, tap into that um, our office is shared with three other companies and um, it's a really great like collaborative space for a lot of people that um, and you know companies that are a couple of years or five years ahead of where Rody's at so there's a lot of people there that you can kind of tap into that have been through and solved a lot of the problems that you're trying to solve that's super cool and so you've got like a good relationship with other people other founders in the office yeah yeah like um, one of the the CEOs of another company um, tour writer uh, their CEO Glenn is also an investor and and on our board in, in Rody. So, nice. um, yeah, he's just on the other side of the office. So I bug him a little bit when there's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, no, Roscoe's dressed again. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, can you talk a bit more about, um, you know, entering or practicing a bit more like meditation? That's something mm. I've, I've never done before. So I'm pretty keen to, yeah. to give a crack. Um, how does it work? What do you do? Yeah, yeah. I'm certainly no expert. Um, like, <laughs> this is probably a. 10 month thing yep. um, I, I started off with using like Headspace like an app mm. uh, just like with no experience I wanted to kind of get a feel for it and that was really helpful it, like sort of explained what what it's about and like you know one thing that I found really interesting was that like meditation is not necessarily just for yourself but it's it's for all the other people that are important to you because you, through doing meditation you become you know better around with your interactions around around other people mm. um which i really liked and i think it's yeah like my mind is so busy like uh, 100 miles an hour with ideas and stuff so for me it's like taking 10 minutes in the morning or at night sometimes before bed to just not think about anything and really clear the mind mm. um and yeah i've i've noticed like in the morning just Prior to doing it and prior to getting a good morning routine, you know, you're rushing out the door, you're jumping on a train and you're just not set up for a good a good day mm. <laughs> in the office. So if, if you can sort of start the day calm and, and yeah, it's helped me be a lot more present with, with people and my interactions mm. with other people. That's awesome, bro. That's so cool. Yeah, I definitely I definitely need to give it a crack, eh? Like I've heard so many people, like I've never heard anyone say like I've, I've picked up doing meditation once or twice a week and I've hated it. Like, no, no. I don't think anyone's ever said that, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny, eh? Because you, you start it and you're like, "Am I doing this right?" Like, mm. <laughs> but there is, there's, there's no like, you know, <laughs> correct way to do it. Yeah. Um, and now, like, I'll do it in different ways. Like, chuck on some like real super chill music and like 
yeah, don't do the guided stuff as much anymore. Mm. Um, but yeah, yoga is another form of in the same boat for me. Like it's a time where you just clear the mind and just like have a stretch and, and just like always walk away from it feeling a million times better. hundred percent, bro. Yeah. Finding those things eh, in your life. I think like physical activity is just so important for like your mental health. It is, it is massive. I was at um, jujitsu on Saturday um, and there's roles from like 10 to 12 o'clock. And I was like, I was, I was having a break, just having a coffee and stuff. And there's, it's full mat. There's so many people there. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I'm like, this is basically like church. Like this is, for the people here, sure. this is like church. This is like some spiritual, um, you know, sacred place where we come and try and strangle each other for two hours. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you walk out of doing jujitsu and, and rolling up for, for like two hours. It's just like, how, how could your day get any worse? You know, yeah. like um, you've kind of had to overcome every single obstacle over that that two hour period. Um, so yeah, you just leave it feeling on such a high, eh? It's oh, awesome. Absolutely. And you know, your phone's in your bag. You're literally just thinking about being there, yeah, doing, right. doing your practice. Um, there's no distractions, um, which is, yeah, so important, I think. It's massive, eh? Uh, have you tried one of those flotation tanks before? I have once, yeah, yeah. They're pretty strange, eh? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've done that once as well. And um, I think the first time, and for people who don't know what it is, it's um, there's a whole bunch of like Epsom salts in the water. You're basically in this like dome, and the water is at the same body temperature. Is at the same temperature as your body temperature, so yeah. it doesn't really feel like you're even in water. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a sur- surreal experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I cocked mine up a bit because the water's so salty. Yeah, it, yeah. Like, touched my eyes. And oh I was, like, no! Burning. <laughs> <laughs> kind of ruined my experience a little bit. But no, nah, I'm, I'm certainly into. It. I haven't been back. I think like, yeah, like I love massages as well. Yeah. And if I'm gonna pay like. 80, 100 bucks, I'd probably rather get a massage. <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100%. It's, I, I feel like with the flotation tanks, it's one of those things where it takes a while to get used to. Yeah. You're like, man, this is such an alien experience. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're basically naked in this water, in this dome, by yourself. And you <laughs> yeah. keep, like, touching the sides. Your hand touches the sides. You're like, shit. Yeah. Super strange. Yeah, hard out. Yeah. Are, are you really big within, um, within Rody and the team that you manage around, um, you know, perhaps not like forcing people to do exercise, but is, is that like a, basically a part of your culture as well? Do you encourage your your staff members to sort of go out there and look after their mental health? And if it is, you know, yoga or exercise or going for a walk, um, do you have like flexibility around that stuff? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Like trying to make sure that everyone's getting out at lunchtime because I, uh, you know, even myself find sometimes you gets to five o'clock I'm like shit I haven't even left the office like and you walk out you're like ah sunlight yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) but I I think you know roadie kind of naturally attracts those kind of people for for Mm. the job anyway because yeah you you want people that are interested in in what we're doing which involves the outdoors and and getting out so it certainly isn't something that I've had to force upon people it comes pretty naturally to to, to the crew yeah that's nice um and what about you as a leader bro because now you're running a business with uh, six people under you. Have you learned any like really direct lessons in leadership along the way? And, and what are they? Good question. Um, leadership. Yeah, I, like I think it's yeah. Back to what I was saying before, like that whole like idea of like letting go and, and bringing you know bringing people in in on the journey. So I mean, for example, everyone all those employees have a stake in the company. We have what's called ESOP where basically every employee has a percentage of the company that they'll work for over a set period of time. So it might be like three years and they'll, they might own 
of Rody at the end of those three years, cool. or they have the option to essentially buy those those shares in the company, yeah. um, which makes them obviously more more invested Good in what, what, eh? what we're doing. Um, and it's not it's not like to replace salary. It's it's um, yeah to get, give them a give them a stake. And that what that means is that every time we're talking about anything to do with the company, it's completely open. Our board board uh, meetings are completely open to everyone in the company, so everyone's invited. Uh, there's no That's cool. nothing. There's no skeletons. We just I'm just completely transparent with where we are with revenue, with sales, with with everything. And I feel like everyone needs to know that. Um, mm. And you, I feel like you, especially at such a like an early stage, you want everyone to buy in, and to do that, everyone needs to understand the company back to front. Mm, that's really nice. I eh? just having that level of transparency for everyone. Like, I remember my my first job, I worked in uh, for for a charity for a not for profit, and just a tough time. You know, probably similar size to what Rody is, but I remember our chief executive sitting us down and being like, you know this is what the next six months could look like. You know, option A is we land these funders, we get, you know, this revenue through the door and things are all right. Option B is we leave, you know, we lose three staff. Option C is we go insolvent, we have to close shop. And like just being privy to that conversation, I was like 19 at the time, 20, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> but um, that transparency just meant so much because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like you were finding out that you're in a shit situation three months down the track and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, we got, we got, we, we got flagged um, how the sort of forecast was looking quite early on due to having that good like, open door policy. And that just meant like a world of difference for people and people have got mortgages and families and stuff like that too. So yeah, real important. Eh? No, nah, for sure. Yeah. It's massive. Um, what is one thing you'd like to accomplish before you die, bro? <laughs> oh, um, you seem like an absolute go-getter So I'm sure there's like like What is on your bucket list? You, you do lots of bucket list things for other people through Rhodey Around their experiences mm. What's What are the three things on Roscoe's bucket list? Like travel related? Or just general life related Oh man um, Three things <laughs> uh, Travel related I'll give you one I'd like to go to Antarctica at some point That'd be um, that's, that's on the list um, what else would I like to accomplish? I, I guess I really want to. I want to leave the travel space in a better place than than when I found it. And for me, what that really means is uh, better experiences for people. Um, I want people to be more connected to the place that they're visiting, both you know by understanding the culture, but also by leaving a, a you know a better imprint on on the environment. So I think what I'm trying to achieve with Rody is, you know, I want to get to a place where travel's positive, not just from a financial perspective mm. that we're putting more money into an economy. It's, um, you know, we're actually leaving a place better than we found it by, um, you know, traveling with positive emissions. So how do we get to that point? Um, you know, I think uh, offsetting on, on planes, shouldn't be a, a button that you click. I think that should be pretty mandatory yeah. um, and built into the price. And that's sort of where I'm trying to get with Rody with like the booking side is that cool. eventually that's, you know, into the, into the price and, mm. you know, people are essentially um, traveling carbon positive. Mm, nice. Have I got one more? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, so that's a Rody thing. And then I guess, I mean, the last year would just be like a personal one. I just want to, um, I guess, leave, with um, you know, build a build a family um, one day and leave the world with um, being looked at as a a great 
husband, father, and just family man. That's beautiful, bro. I really like that, eh? And you're recently ish married, eh? January, yeah. Nice, man. Congrats. How's yes. that whole journey been? Uh, it's been awesome, yeah. No, I mean, the wedding got pushed back a year, so um, wedding was a COVID COVID wedding, and mm-hmm. it was kind of going to be like, oh, are we are we going ahead? How many people can we have? And we just decided, no, nah, we don't want it like big day to be yeah. impacted, so we pushed it out a year, which is best decision ever. Yeah, um, able to pretty much drag and drop everything we'd organised, and yeah. Um, yeah, epic epic wedding in Hawke's Bay. That's cool, man. Were you nervous? I'll be shitting bricks. <laughs> eh? I'm I'm obviously not married, but whenever I think about it, and I've, I've got some friends that are starting to you know get get on that journey now I just think of like how scared I would be like doing the doing the engagement proposing but also <laughs> just like the stress with like the marriage but also really beautiful at the same time <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah you no know, there, there were certainly certainly nerves I had an interesting one with, with, with the engagement I was also up in the Hawks Bay um but the ring didn't arrive in time so oh I, you're kidding <laughs> I had to have the old man draw was staying at in uh, Waimatama on the beach and the old man had to drop the ring at like five uh, thirty in the morning and I sort of snuck out <laughs> told Shara I was going to check out if it was a good sunrise and um, grabbed the ring and not, I was like come on let's go for a walk had the dog so like, did it fit go for a walk on your finger <laughs> yeah, fit, oh, yeah. Okay. but yeah no, um, yeah, on the beach in, in Waimatama and then um, I invited all her close mates and my close mates up and yeah, we walked out for lunch and there's 20 odd people there for, for oh, a surprise yeah, lunch so that was pretty special that's lovely bro that's super cool and what's it like for uh, for your wife like how much of a support is she with you and your business and, and what you're up to oh yeah massively um, yeah no, she, <laughs> I'd struggle to do what, <laughs> what I do without her support you know I'm sort of off on a lot of trips and she's Holding down the fort, looking after the dog. That's um, awesome. Yeah, no, she's um, certainly my rock. So very fortunate to have her. That's me, bro. Massive, massive shout outs um, to your partner. Yeah, it's uh, they're su- such like integ- integral pieces of the puzzle when it comes to people's lives and like the success where people are. And um, I'm sure you know you support her just as much as she supports you. Um, yeah, such a massive part of the puzzle, eh? Yeah, she's actually just started a little um, little makeup company. Um, yeah, doing a lot of wedding makeup and events makeup and, Epic. and stuff. Um, so it's cool to sort of see her have her own thing now as well yeah, and um, be able to yeah support her with that. And it's definitely given her a sort of a new new lease on life. So yeah, um, man, that's cool it. Far out, pretty pretty successful uh, couple you guys have there, <laughs> <laughs> budding business owners. That's epic. <laughs> Um, we'll wrap up with some quick fire questions um, Then we'll end with a bit of a quote But before we do so Where can people uh, stay in touch with you and your mahi? Um, so Rody's just at NZ Across pretty much every social platform Insta, TikTok, uh, Facebook, YouTube um, All my personals, just Roscoe Pricemore um, And then the app is on Apple or uh, Google Play um, yeah and if you just search Rody you'll you'll find it hey bro and we'll chuck links into the description wherever you're watching or listening to the potty um, Roscoe what brings you true happiness what brings me true happiness um, family friends sun the beach exercise swimming travel um, yeah uh, I think it's just um yeah, a com- combination of my doing my favourite things um, and uh, it's that whole expectation thing. It's like, you know, just not putting expectations on anything and um, mm. I think, yeah, <laughs> what, what's that quote? It's like, um, <laughs> if, if your expectation is outweighed by... I'm butchering this, but <laughs> you know where I'm going with yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. I like the one, um, what is it? Uh, shit, I'm having a blank on a quote right now. It's, oh, 
Fuck, I'll come back to it. I'll come back <laughs> yeah. to it. This is the worst promo for, uh, for quotes. Hey, Jesus. Um, advice you wish about, you, you wish you knew about when you were younger? Uh, probably just to not put so much pressure on yourself. Like in, in, in the early phase, I think, um, you know, you kind of feel like you should have it figured out when that's not really a thing. Mm. Um, and I guess on the other side of that, it's to en- just enjoy the process and, and celebrate the small ones. I think that's huge. Like, and it's something that, I haven't done enough. It's like, you know, because roadie's moving at such a fast pace, you, you get one win and then you're just on to the next one. It's like mm. actually taking time to, to celebrate the small wins because, you know, you'll find that what you achieve is, is pretty hectic, yeah. um, but you just gloss over it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's and, pretty huge. And you're on to the next thing, eh? And just need to take that time to, to smell the roses. Um, remember the quote as well, comparison is the thief of joy. I love that There we one. go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, knew, I, I knew it would come to me. Uh, what does legacy mean to you? Legacy, um, yeah, uh, well, yeah. It comes back to that that whole travel thing, leaving the travel world in, in a better place. Um, and I think, yeah, travel should always have a positive effect on on a place. Um, so that would be in the travel space. And then I guess, yeah, I'd like to be remembered as, um, yeah, again, a great great family man um, and someone that was, you know. Positive and, and good to be around. Epic, bro. If you could change one thing in New Zealand, what would this be? Probably, um, like just the whole tall, tall poppy syndrome yeah. um, space. And I mean, I'm talking about this from experience, but not really for myself. Like, I've got a great group of friends, and I haven't really ex- necessarily experienced it myself. But I have seen it, and I think it is prevalent in in New Zealand. And I think it stops a lot of people from <laughs> from doing what they want to do and putting themselves out there because mm. they're, they're worried about being being chopped down. So mm. I think um, changing that that culture would be up there. Hundred percent, couldn't agree more, man. Uh, what do you believe is the main thing that is holding back young people in New Zealand? I guess on a similar note, probably. Um, like scared of failure, which might come mm. hand in hand with the, with the tall poppy thing. Like I think a lot of people are scared to make mistakes, scared to fail. Um, and I think it's just really important that you start, like the first thing you do, your first product, your first podcast, your first whatever, um, you're going to look back on and go, man, that wasn't wasn't my best or whatever. But um, it's just about taking action, I feel. Mm. You've just got to, got to do it and learn from, from those mistakes. Um, and I think there's a big like decision paralysis. <laughs> I think it's yeah. like make decisions quickly, learn from them and, um, and move on to the next one. 100%. Couldn't agree more, man. I remember selling the podcast like I had. I brought all of the equipment, you know, like mics, got the interface and stuff there. I literally just sat holding this stuff for like six months <laughs> and I didn't do anything. I was like, you know, I, I had the idea, had all, all the gears, could have pressed go, but I was like, shit, how will people perceive the podcast? And you're right, if you're sort of chasing perfection the whole time, it can sort of stop um, or stagnate how fast you can move on things, eh? Oh, perfection's such a killer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. true, man. I mean, uh, yeah, been on a few podcasts and you've done bloody well. This is a pretty profesh setup, so Cheers, good on bro. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> um, cool, we'll finish on a quote from uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, People think focus means saying yes to the thing you've got to focus on. It means saying no to the hundred other good ideas that there are. You have to pick carefully. Cheers, bro. Sure.